are the, the events of this day that produce the greatest single sentence in every language of all time. Christ is risen. And of all the people, influential people, who have ever walked this planet, it is Easter that separates Jesus from all of the others, and it's not even close. We could go to Mount Vernon and still see the enclosed tomb of George Washington. We could go to Springfield to see the enclosed remains of Abraham Lincoln. We could go to Arlington and there see the remains of John F. Kennedy. We could go to Atlanta and see those of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. We could go to Calcutta and see the resting place of Mother Teresa. We could go to Medina, Saudi Arabia, and under that green dome are the remains of Muhammad. But every single year, more than four million people from all over the earth go to Jerusalem to see the Church of the Holy Sepulchre where the grave of Jesus Christ is open and it's empty. That most powerful single sentence continues to resound, Jesus Christ is risen. But you know, not everyone, even those who were closest to Jesus, were so ready and willing to believe that Jesus Christ was alive. I want to take you back to that very first Easter where the resurrected Jesus, he has already been very busy. If we combine all four gospel accounts, Jesus has already made four Easter resurrection appearances. To Mary Magdalene, to the women at the tomb, to Peter, and to two disciples who were on the road to Emmaus. That Easter evening, Jesus has a fifth resurrection appearance. We're told that his ten disciples... We're still gathered together in an upper room with the doors closed. And suddenly Jesus appears in their midst. He announces peace and he breathes on them his Holy Spirit. And that is where our text picks up today. We're told but that Easter evening Thomas was not with the ten disciples when Jesus came. Therefore, these disciples, right, the ten, were saying, meaning they told Thomas again and again and again, we've seen the Lord. Thomas, we can't make this up. He's alive. And you would think that Thomas would have gotten up and like danced the gritty or something. But instead, Thomas says this. Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and put my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand into Jesus' side, I will certainly never believe. 
Thomas dismisses the word, the witness of his ten closest friends. He writes them off as just idle talk or an illusion or maybe even a ghost because Thomas is certain that people do not live again after a Roman crucifixion. And so just three days after Good Friday, Thomas is lost and he is crushed. And he is defeated. Because for all he knows, Jesus was a very dear friend and rabbi, but a failed Messiah. Because he was never supposed to go to a cross. And so he says, unless I see for myself and reach my finger and my hand into the wounds of Jesus Christ, I will certainly never believe that he is raised from the dead. The Greek New Testament Bible has three ways to say no. Three different levels. Level one puts an A on the front of the verb. So the only difference in Greek between faith and unbelieving is just an A on the front of faith. Level two, it puts a may in front of the verb. You would translate that as a mom or a dad voice or a teacher voice. No! Level three <laughs> has an ooh and a may before the verb, and you would translate that no way in Hades. Absolutely not over my dead body. Which level is Thomas at here? His unbelief is at a level three. Unless I see and put my fingers and my hand, I will certainly not a chance believe that Jesus is alive. And here we have one of the most unyielding skeptics in the entire Bible. And it was one who was actually one of the closest to Jesus. John tells us that a week goes by. But this time something's different. Look at how he continues in verse 26. After eight days, again his disciples were inside, but now what? Thomas is with them. Again, although the doors are closed in that upper room, Jesus comes and stands among them and he says, Peace to you. And where do you think Jesus takes the conversation next? What's at stake if Thomas does not believe in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead? What's at stake for us if we do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? So after Jesus announces peace, he goes right to it. 
and says to Thomas, reach your finger here and see my hands and reach your hand and put it into my side. Stop being unbelieving and then emphatically in Greek, rather believing. The heart of the issue for Thomas was really what? An issue of the heart. I grew up in a family, parents were small farmers who had a thing for engines and cars. My dad, particularly my older brother, were always working on some kind of tractor or car in the large pole barn. In fact, I had a 19, when I was a junior in high school, I had a 1984 red Chevy Chevette. But I bought it for 50 bucks from a friend because the engine was blown. My brother we went to a junkyard and we found an engine and he took the old one out and put the other one in and it ran great for 250 bucks. He took an engine out of his 1979 Ford Pinto and completely rebuilt it, honed the cylinder walls, put new rings, redid the head, and it ran great. So I grew up, and I still have an appreciation for cars. So a few weeks ago, this car caught my eyes on the internet. This is the 2023 Dodge Challenger SRT Demon 170. This car has more than a thousand horsepower under the hood. And step aside Tesla. This car goes from zero to 60 in 1.66 seconds. Can you imagine that kind of acceleration? Go, one, you're already at 60. Can you imagine that pain at the pump? <laughs> that's the exact kind of acceleration that's in our text and our next verse. This hard-hearted skeptic goes from unbelieving in the resurrected Jesus to believing in him in about 1.6 seconds for Thomas then declares in the next verse, my Lord and my God. For a first century Jew to look at Jesus Christ and declare that he is God was what? Blasphemy. And blasphemy was punishable by death. But Thomas didn't care. Because he saw the irrefutable evidence with his own eyes that Jesus Christ lives. And if Jesus Christ is risen, and he is, that means that Thomas's life, my life, and your life can never be the same again. Church tradition has it that a few years after this evening, Thomas went down to India and was an incredible missionary for the kingdom. 
He went around planting churches and proclaiming Jesus Christ crucified and risen. But one day, some pagans approached Thomas and they demanded that he renounce Jesus Christ. And history has it that Thomas said this, I will never, ever renounce Christ. What level was Thomas at now with his faith? That's a level three. I will never, ever renounce Christ. And those pagans took a stake that day and they drove it through Thomas's body. And Thomas went to his grave declaring Jesus Christ lives. Jesus always has the first word and he always has the last word. And he has one final word to Thomas after his confession. And what I love about these next words of Jesus is they don't just talk to Thomas. He includes you and he includes me. Jesus' last words in the upper room that day are this. He said to Thomas, because you have seen me, have you believed? And look at this. Blessed are those who have not seen yet believed. Friends, are we at any disadvantage today? Is our faith any less because we don't have the privilege of those early Christians seeing the resurrected Jesus with our own eyes? Jesus emphatically says, not one bit. Everyone who believes in me without seeing is blessed. What do you think it means when Jesus says you are blessed? Here's what I want you to picture. Picture from God the most extravagant Easter basket you have ever seen. By believing in Jesus Christ, you are blessed, meaning this. The Bible says the Holy Spirit came down in the shape of a dove, or more literally, a pigeon. So when we see a peep, we can remember how blessed you are that through Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And in God's basket, there is also a binky. Because when you are baptized into the name of Jesus, you are born again into his family. And in God's basket, there is a blank sheet of paper. Because that's what your record now looks like before God. There is not one sin that stands against you. Nothing. But you are white as snow. And in God's basket, there is a book. And this book reminds us of the book of life. The book of the Lamb, where your name is etched in God's book because of your faith in Jesus Christ. 
And to be blessed is to have one of these. The egg reminds us that on the day Jesus comes back, not only will your grave and my grave open, but our graves will also be empty. Blessed are all of you who have not seen, Jesus says, and yet believe. Our challenge since Ash Wednesday has to been putting this down now into seven words or less. I could stand up here and read to you some of the seven-word confessions that you have submitted out here or over near the other sanctuary, or I could have someone else read them for me. Because Jesus lives, I live also. Jesus, by his grace I am forgiven. Broken, lost, messy, he loves me anyway. Jesus is alive and well, fixing what is broken. Everything you, you truly desire, Jesus freely gives. My failures are redeemed daily in Christ. I didn't do it right, but I'm still loved. I'm free because Jesus is in me. Jesus loves me every day. Through Jesus, God's grace revives me. Jesus redeems me, and he redeems you too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, children. If someone asked you for the essence of your faith, in one clear, concise sentence, how could you take these words today and put them in seven words? The first three were already given, right? Christ is risen, and Jesus gives us the rest. Believe and be blessed now and for eternity. Amen.